For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the daily tamid lamb offering this is part 11 of the series in the next section of this teaching we're going to share with you that the god of israel commanded that there be two additional lambs offered on the sabbath in addition to the two lambs that were offered each day in the morning and in the afternoon and in the service in the temple on the Sabbath, there was the reciting of the Song of Moses in Exodus in chapter 15. And remembering two important principles, number one, that biblical history is prophecy, and number two, David gave to Solomon from commandment from the Lord by the Holy Spirit the courses of the priests and the Levites in the service of the house of the Lord or the temple. Therefore, we're going to see that what happened each Sabbath in the temple is a prophecy of the prophetic Sabbath or the day of the Lord as outlined in the book of Revelation given that John, the disciple of Yeshua, when he was imprisoned in the Isle of Patmos, was given a vision which he wrote down, which became the book of Revelation, regarding what he saw taking place in the day of the Lord. Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. So if we look at the Song of Moses in Exodus chapter 15, it's got three main parts. Number one, that the one who defeated the Egyptians in Exodus chapter 15 verse 6, that is the right hand of the Lord, which is Yeshua, he's a man of war and he defeats the enemies of Israel. Number two, that in redeeming his people from the oppression of their enemies, that he's going to bring them into the promised land. And number three, that he's king and he'll reign forever and ever. So let's now see these things in this section of the teaching. To begin with, we're going to look at Numbers chapter 28 verses 9 and 10, wherein there the God of Israel commanded that there be an additional two lambs that are offered on the Sabbath. It is written, And on the Sabbath day, two lambs of the first year without spot, and two-tenths a deal of flour for a meat offering, mingled with oil, and the drink offering thereof. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath, beside the continual burnt offering and his drink offering, referring to the daily tamid lamb offering that took place in the morning and in the afternoon. So the weekly Sabbath is prophetic of the Messianic Sabbath, 
known as the day of the Lord. And in the book of Revelation, John, the disciple of Yeshua, was shown a vision that took place in the day of the Lord. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, it is written, I, John, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Yeshua, Mashiach. And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, or the prophetic day of the Lord. We can see from Isaiah chapter 58 verse 13 that the seventh day Sabbath is the day of the Lord, as it is written. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath the delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable. So the Sabbath was designated as the seventh day of rest, as outlined in the creation from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. And these seven days of creation is a prophecy of 7,000 years of time, wherein the seventh day of creation, the Sabbath, is prophetic of a thousand year period, commonly called the Messianic Era, or the prophetic day of the Lord. So each day in creation represented a thousand years of time. We can see this from Psalm chapter 90 verse 4, where it is written, For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. And this verse is quoted in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 8 as it is written. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So in mentioning in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 8, that one day is with the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day, it goes on to say in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 10, but the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord is the prophetic Sabbath of creation. It's a thousand years of time. And as we saw in creation that evening and morning was each day, therefore we can see in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 10 that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night, or it begins in darkness. We commonly call this time of darkness Jacob's trouble or the tribulation period. So the seventh day Sabbath of creation is prophetic of a thousand year messianic era. The Sabbath is called the day of the Lord. And in creation, each day began in the evening and ended in the morning. As a result, Jacob's trouble or the tribulation period is the beginning of the day of the Lord. And we can see how the day of the Lord begins with darkness in Isaiah chapter 13 verses 6 and 8 as it is written. Howl ye for the day of the Lord is at hand and it will come as a destruction from the Almighty and they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them and they shall be in pain as a woman that travails. We can see from Zephaniah chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 that the start of the day of the Lord is darkness as it is written. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. And the mighty man will cry there bitterly. That day, the day of the Lord, is a day of wrath, a day of trouble, of distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. So Jacob's trouble was associated with the start of the day of the Lord. We can see this from Jeremiah chapter 30 verses 6 and 7 as it is written. Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail? And all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day 
is great. That is the day of the Lord, so that there is none like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be saved or redeemed or delivered out of it. And the way Jacob is saved or redeemed or delivered is during Jacob's trouble, the nations are judged and Jacob's exile into the nations concludes with the gathering uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel, both northern kingdom and southern kingdom, who will return to the land of Israel, led by Yeshua the Messiah. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, we see that John sees a vision of events happening in the heavenly temple. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, it is written, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, John sees a vision of the doors of heaven being opened, as it is written. And after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. In the temple, at the start of each day, the great gate of the temple court is opened. In the Talmud, in Tamid 30b, it explains, He then came to the small door on the north, and no one ever went in by the door on the south. He took the key and opened the small door, until he reached the great gate, and he opened it. The slaughterer did not kill the lamb till he heard the sound of the great gate being opened. So, after John saw the door of heaven being opened, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 2, John sees in the heavenly temple Yeshua sitting on a throne, as it is written. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And then in Revelation chapter 4, verse 4, we see that around the throne are 24 elders, as it is written. And around the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And in Revelation chapter 5 verse 10, we can see that these twenty-four elders around the throne are kings and priests before the God of Israel, as it is written. And he has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we will reign on the earth. So, just as there are 24 elders around the throne, King David gave to his son Solomon the instructions that he received from the God of Israel for the courses of the priests and the Levites. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 11 and verse 13, it is written, Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch, also for the courses of the priests and the Levites, and for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and for all the vessels of service in the house of the Lord. So we can see in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 13, that David was given by the God of Israel the service of the house of the Lord, that is the temple, that would be done by the priests and the Levites. And King David received these instructions that he gave to Solomon from the God of Israel by the Holy Spirit. In First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 12, it is written, In the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit of the courts and of the house of the Lord. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 19, All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. So King David organized the priests in the 24 courses. In First Chronicles chapter 24, verse 1 and verse 4, it is written, Now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and because they offered strange fire before the Lord in the tabernacle in the wilderness, they died. And so who was left of the sons of Aaron were Eleazar and Itamar. And in First Chronicles chapter 24, verse 4, 
From the sons of Eleazar came 16 courses, and among the sons of Itamar, 8 courses, a total of 24 courses of priests. So there were 24 courses of priests, and they served once every six months, or twice a year, in the temple. The details are explained to us in the Talmud in Ta'anit 26a, where it says, The following are the details concerning the Ma'amadot, that is the 24 divisions of the Israelites, corresponding to the 24 courses of priests who would serve in the temple. The earlier prophets instituted 24 Mishmarot, or districts, and each Mishmar, or district, was represented at the temple in Jerusalem by its own Ma'amad, or groups or divisions of of the people, of priests, Levites, and the general population of Israelites. When the time came for the Mishmar, or the district, to go up to Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites went up to Jerusalem, and the Israelites of that Mishmar, or district, assembled in their cities and read from the Torah, the story of creation. In Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 12, we can see that the Levites wore white garments, as it is written. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen. So in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 5, we see that Yeshua, who sits on the throne, opens the seals of a book, as it is written. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals. And one of the elders said to me, The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Continuing in Revelation chapter 5, we can see that the lamb who is slain is worshipped around the throne in heaven. In Revelation chapter 5 verse 6 it is written, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. So in the middle of the throne of God, in the heavenly Jerusalem, stood a lamb as it had been slain. And then in Revelation chapter 5 verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. So given that the service of the house of the Lord of the temple was given to King David by the God of Israel through the Holy Spirit, and it was given according to the pattern, it is a blueprint of the heavenly tabernacle. In the Talmud, in Rosh Hashanah 31a, it explains, At the afternoon sacrifice of Sabbath, what did they say? Rabbi Johanan said, They sang, Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 10, And who is like thee? From Exodus chapter 15, verses 11 through 27. Exodus chapter 15 is the song of Moses. And in examining the song of Moses from Exodus chapter 15, there are three main sections to this song, and they are as follows. Number one, that the right hand who defeated Pharaoh and his army in Exodus chapter 15 verse 6, he is a man of war who defeats the enemies of Israel. Number two, the one who defeated Pharaoh and his army at the Red Sea is also the one that brought the children of Israel into the promised land. So number two, Yeshua will end the exile of his people and bring them into the promised land. That is Exodus chapter 15 verses 11 through 17. And thirdly, 
the one who is a man of war and defeats the enemies of Israel, who brings his people in the promised land, is also the king of Israel. That is Yeshua, and he will reign forever and ever. So let's look at these three sections of Exodus chapter 15, the Song of Moses, and see how these are three overall themes of the book of Revelation, from Revelation chapter 4 to Revelation chapter 19, given that we're told in Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 that what John was seeing was taking place in the prophetic day of the Lord. So the first thing we're going to see is that Yeshua is a man of war. In Revelation chapter 19 verse 11, 13, and 15 it is written, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should smite or judge the nations. So in the Talmud, in Pesahim 117a, it explains that the Song of Moses and the Great Hillel are said when Israel is redeemed. Rob Judah said in Samuel's name, The Song in the Sea, Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 18, was uttered by Moses and Israel when they ascended from the Red Sea. And who recited this Hillel? That is Psalm 113 to 118. The prophets among them ordained that Israel should recite it. When they are redeemed, they recite in gratitude for their redemption. So next we're going to see that when Yeshua returns at his second coming, he is doing so to redeem his people. In Luke chapter 21 verse 7, Yeshua was asked, what is the sign of your coming as it is written? And they asked him saying, Master, when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? So the way that Yeshua answered the question is he gave many signs of the sign. In Luke chapter 21 verse 25 Yeshua outlines the many signs where he says and there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the seas and the waves roaring so the second coming of Yeshua is linked with his role to redeem Israel in Luke chapter 21 verse 28 Yeshua went on to say and when you see these things begin to come to pass look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. So when Israel is redeemed, they sing the song of Moses and they recite the great Hallel. It is the role, task, and function of the Messiah to gather the exiles of Israel. In the Sinchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 2, page 957, it says the following, What purpose will the royal Messiah come, and what will he do? He will come to assemble the exiles of Israel. We can see how it was understood that the Messiah gathers the exiles of Israel from the book, A Matter of Return by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg, on page 131, he explains from the prophecies in Isaiah, Isaiah foresaw, and then he begins to quote from Isaiah chapter 11 verse 10, and in that day it shall be that the root of Jesse that stands for a banner of the peoples, and to him shall the nation seek, and his resting place shall be glorious. And it will come to pass in that day that the Lord will set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people that shall be left from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros 
Pharos and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamat and from the isles of the sea. And he will set up a banner for the nations and shall assemble the dispersed of Israel and gather together the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So based upon this prophecy in Isaiah about the Messiah and the gathering uniting the 12 tribes of Israel, Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg makes comment and says, From this prophecy we learn that the Messiah, the son of David, will gather the dispersed of Israel, that is the vanished 10 tribes of the northern kingdom, and will gather Judah from the far corners of the globe, Judah being the Jewish people. So now we can see the second major theme of the Song of Moses from Exodus chapter 15, that is, bringing the nation of Israel into the promised land, in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, as it is written. And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude of all nations, of kindreds, and peoples, and tongues, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God. So we can see here that those in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, have palms in their hands. During Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, the God of Israel instructed that you wave palm branches. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 34, it is written, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days under the Lord. And then in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 40, And you shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. So the waving of palm branches is called the waving of the lulav. And the lulav is specifically waved when reciting Psalm 118. In the Talmud, in Sukkah 37b, it explains, And where, in the Sukkot service in the temple, is the lulav waved? At the commencement and the conclusion of the psalm, O give thanks unto the Lord, Psalm 118, verse 1, and at save now we beseech you, O Lord, Psalm 118, verse 25. These are the words of Beit Hillel. So who are these of every kindreds and nations? and peoples and tongues in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9? Well, a question is asked regarding them in Revelation chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 as it is written. Who are these which are arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation. So who are these that are coming out of great tribulation? He goes on to say about them in Revelation chapter 7 verses 16 and 17, they shall hunger no more, they will thirst no more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat for the lamb shall lead them unto living fountains of waters so the answer regarding who are these that came out of great tribulation that they will hunger no more they will thirst no more and they will be led unto fountains of waters is a reference to and a quote of Isaiah chapter 49 verse 10 where there it is written they shall not hunger nor thirst neither shall the heat nor sun smite them for he that has mercy on them who is the lamb in Revelation chapter 7 verse 17 or the Messiah shall lead them even by the springs of water so Isaiah chapter 49 verse 10 is describing the exiles of Israel who are called prisoners in Isaiah chapter 49 verse because they are living in exile under the authority of those who took them into captivity and rule and reign over them. So furthermore, in Revelation chapter 7, we see those that came out of great tribulation, verse 14. It says about them at the end of Revelation chapter 7, verse 17, that God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. 
So exile, or being scattered in the nations of the world, is a place of suffering. And when you suffer, you shed tears or you cry. But the end of the exile is the end of suffering and tears. And the end of the exile is a time of joy and celebration. So we can see how exile is likened to suffering and the shedding of tears from Psalm 137 verse 1 where it is written, by the rivers of Babylon, that is in exile, we wept when we remembered Zion. And there, being in exile, well that's going to conclude part 11 of the series on the subject, the daily Tamid lamb offering. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.